and welcome to the Biz vs. Dev podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 3. I'm James Robert. And I'm Nick Posen. Why do you love you? And uh, we're going to talk about going without a cell phone and the withdrawal symptoms associated. Whether, whether cell phones are actually good for us. Probably not. So, <laughs> uh, last week, I had the unfortunate happenstance. Rather, it was really the week before last. Um, I Friday, two Fridays ago, my phone went kaput. And this was after my phone, like something going wrong with it for a little while. It turns out it was a known issue with the Samsung S, the Galaxy S3, where the power cord, sorry, the power button, something gets jammed inside and then the things just go bad. Now, I, at the risk of sounding like a douche, I'm just going to say this anyway. iPhones had the same exact problem. In fact, no, 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 are, but, so that's not what I was going to say. Oh, well. <laughs> Were you, were you <laughs> seriously? Were you able to take the phone back and get a new one? No, because I've had this phone for more than two years. More than two years. Yeah. So I could have gone for I could have gone in for a um, replacement or repair rather. But you had it for how many years? Four. Two and oh. two and two and month, two years and a couple of. I need to practice my active listening. <laughs> I think it was. I think I had it for twenty five months. Okay. Wait. No. Actually. No, it was exactly two years. I, I in, think that okay. I've, I think I've had a phone replaced after that much time. But I could I could have gone fixed for seventy five dollars. I figured I could pay seventy five dollars for a new phone. I could pay maybe double that ish to get this to get a new one, which is clearly in the times. I was also already due for an upgrade, so I thought it was time for me to get a new phone anyway. I do yep. want to get one. Um, so you didn't really want to get a new S three. You no. were ready to just throw in the towel, move on. Right. Things it was starting to slow down. Like it was it was a good phone when it came out and it was I was finally at when I got the S3, it was a sweet, sweet relief. I was finally at the top of the heap with a phone that's functional. I felt as if, you know, prior to that, phones were we've gone to the point where phones are so good yeah. that anything you throw at them, they can finally do. Before that, they couldn't. Before or at was, least the main stuff that you wanted to do. Yeah. Before that it was painful. I remember I had I had the HTC Hero. Mm-hmm. On Sprint, that was. I remember I got the phone, winter two thousand, so January two thousand ten. I got the phone. Remember, it shipped while I was while I wasn't home because they didn't ship it on time. <laughs> I was in New Orleans in the coldest winter in like a decade. That was painful. Anyway, and when as soon as I got it, it was already outdated. It was already a little kind of slow. They couldn't run too many apps. And by the time I got rid of it, by the time I was I was due for a new phone, it was before my upgrade even. I. I could barely use it. I would get out of the train. I had to wait maybe five minutes for Google Maps to to function. Mm-hmm. Things would just slow down. Granted, probably some uh, probably was just low memory because I wasn't deleting enough things. But in that, I'd have, yeah. Uh, have- also, RAM phones back mm-hmm. in the day just shipped with extremely unreasonably low qu- amounts of RAM. Yeah. And then it was also new versions new versions of Android, which the phone probably wasn't really able to handle. Even though they're supposed to be more efficient, I, I'm sure there was some some kind of memory leak somewhere. And that's true. Android Android has made a lot of progress in the last couple of years. Go Android. Clearly I'm a fan. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I I I wonder um what took so long. Wait, I don't really think of myself as a fan of Apple. I mean, all I have all Apple products. I have a Mac, I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, but like most of the reason why all my products are Apple is because you get the vertical integration benefit. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I was going to switch to Android, I'd also switch to an Android tablet. And also, well, I don't know what I'd do about the Mac because I guess I'd have to go back to Linux. Windows is unacceptable. <laughs> so this is where it gets a little tricky. With um, with 
I, with the Apple ecosystem, it's a fantastic ecosystem. It works for everybody in every possible way. The reason that what Microsoft should do is align itself with Android a little bit more. You can just get rid of Windows Phone entirely and just, okay, now we're working with Android. Yeah. Well, Ben Thompson has put, he's posted multiple essays and he has his own podcast. And uh, he blogs at Stratechery, Stratechery, I don't know. This pronunciation keeps getting changed. <laughs> and, um, and so he made these, this point about how Microsoft really ought to spin off their hardware division or spin off a hardware division. So that would be Xbox, Windows, Phone, and maybe spin off Windows with that, maybe possibly, depending. And then what would remain is just the, the software and services division. So like, because right now the hardware divisions... And having the hardware and the software in the same company puts the company at odds with its partners, right? Speaking of being at odds with the partners, I heard from somebody who was... And it even puts the company at odds with itself. It's, this, is, this is where it gets funny. I had a friend... Well, I have a friend. I met up with her yesterday. She works at a, a company that was acquired by Microsoft. Yep. And they have received cease and desist letters from Microsoft lawyers for things that they're doing. And then they're, they have to reach back out to them and say, guys... We are you, you are us. Like, what are you doing? Which is a huge waste of, and presumably these are expensive lawyers. If Microsoft hired them, they're not going to have such thing as a not expensive lawyer. <laughs> these are the more expensive lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> this is the frappuccino of lawyers. No, screw it. It's Blue Bottle. Never mind. Blue Bottle. Oh, right. I do know Blue Bottle. They just <laughs> actually got... Blue Bottle is totally affordable. I mean, they're actually cheaper than like a regular boutique coffee shop. But let's let's move on. <laughs> We'll link Blue Bottle in the show notes to explain why. I can't believe they got how much money they raised. Blue Bottle? Yeah. The coffee shop? Yeah. How, how much money did they raise? $40 million. That's it's not tons and tons of money. That's an obnoxious amount of money for... No, it makes, it makes a lot of sense because they have to open up retail locations, and those retail locations aren't going to instantly become profitable, so they actually need capital, unlike software companies. <laughs> I'm aware of this, but it's a coffee shop. Okay. We don't need more coffee. We don't need more coffee shops, maybe, but we do need to get rid of all the Starbuckses. But where will I pee? At Blue Bottle. <laughs> I don't so know. If, you, if you solve the Starbucks problem by replacing it with, with, the, with, the, with a Blue Bottle. For you, someone who doesn't drink coffee, nothing will have changed. But for someone who drinks the coffee, there will be better coffee. <laughs> this reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons. I think it was one of those Treehouse of Horrors. Uh, I don't remember. What, I saw this probably in the early 2000s, maybe in the 90s. Um, where they kept, were trying to combat invasive species. They kept bringing in new invasive species. Oh, to yeah. <laughs> well, if each one is, in the case of coffee shops, a more a better competitor and has better coffee, then I'm all for that. What let if some... Blue Bottle sweep in and then let, I don't know, what I don't know any smaller than Blue Bottle boutique coffee shops that are better. Like, Blue Bottle's pretty good. Bluestone Lane. Um, How do you with... know? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Apparently they brew this some kind of coffee that I, I I took somebody there. I take almost all my meetings there at Bluestone Lane because the one that's at Thirty Broad I used to have to hop over the banister. Yeah, but now over the banister what? So the, there's a there's an entrance that's into the building. It's in the yeah. front. We have to go through a security guard because it's it's the financial district type area. So they still have like the old school security guards for everything. And there's a back entrance which is to the actual coffee shop. So what I used to do before I got a disgruntled security guard was to go through the main entrance for the building. Um, and walk up to where the coffee shop is. And there, there's a little sidebar, you can, a little banister they can... It's Technically, it's closed off, but they kept it low, So because I guess they didn't want a wall there, so that people can still see the, the menu that's behind uh, it. So I would hop over to that, which is super fun. And that, that was my little adventure. I got stopped. 
you just hopped over it for fun, not to actually get. No, no, no. Like I, no, no. <laughs> for fun when I go there. Got it. Because I always have that an adventure. So, but apparently they have a really rare coffee that somebody who knows coffee told me that they have. I just get various fruit teas. I have an exciting story about coffee. Yes. I found a coffee shop in like the kind of East Village, Alphabet City, something around there that roasts their own coffee. And so I didn't want to rush into anything. So I just ordered an espresso straight because I wanted to, I wanted to find out if I actually wanted to buy the beans that they roasted. So the espresso was great. It was like almost tasted like caramel. I was like, okay, this is good. Maybe just caramel flavored. No, no, it wasn't. It was just pure. Okay, well, anyway. So I, I had some. It was good. So then I asked, you know, when do you roast? And they roast on certain days. So I go in there on the day that they roasted it and request, I like ask them, can you give me beans that you roasted today? So that was on a Friday. So then Saturday morning, like within 24 hours of the beans being roasted, I start making the espresso in my espresso machine at home. And it wasn't expensive either. And seriously, the best espresso I ever made. It's crazy how it like deteriorates from the day it's roasted for like, I don't know, a little while. Like when it's really, really fresh, it actually is better. Kind of like planes off after a while. But it was exciting because, I don't know, because I like coffee. And I like when it tastes good. <laughs> I like fruit. <laughs> All right, well, think of this like going to the grocery store and getting in-season fresh fruit. I just bought an obnoxious amount of fruit on my last Trader Joe's trip. I had to bring a backpack to can carry, and then I had to carry massive bags of it. It was, I think I had 10 pieces of, 10 different types of fruit, including avocados, because technically those are fruit, on Sunday, no, on Saturday. How did you eat it all? Well, I have three figs, three dates, a plum, a nectarine, some avocado with my egg, but that was earlier. All in one day? A banana. This is like within like two hours. <laughs> um, you eat nothing but fruit for like two days? No, I still got too hungry. Um, oh, you know what? I know I did that. I was trying to go um, ovo vegan for the day. For a day? For Well, yeah, because the previous day I had way too... So Friday night I went on a date and we went out to this fantastic um, vegan organic restaurant called Blossom, I'll link that in the show notes, and they have incredible food. But I was really craving some kind of meat. I realized when I pick my dishes, I tend to pick, like, what's the most flavorful type of thing I'm going to have? It's usually, it's the, it's the protein that I'm going to eat. Uh-huh. And I base my decision on that. Usually I want some kind of chicken, I'll base my chicken dish based on what's going to complement it. And here, I was also ravenously hungry. I didn't have that complimentary dish. But I did have an incredible amount of really, really incredibly well-spiced vegetables. What about tofu? Mm, I'm not crazy about tofu. Really? I mean, if Grant, this place would, would have had organic tofu, but I just I just didn't want to have it. I just had a very I had curried quinoa and and then and then coconut curry something else and then just lots of like different very intensely flavored vegetables, just pleasant. And one thing I realized, I wish I replaced. I took vegetarians; they take their food very seriously. Okay. Presumably, I mean, I'm generalizing here. Some vegetarians take their food very seriously. In order for it to taste fantastic, they heavily spice it in a good way to to bring out the best flavors in it and have complementary tastes and, and just a whole whirlwind of goodness and yumminess in your mouth. When you go out to eat meat, you tend not to get that, even if it's an organic place. So, I would love... You must lo- not be eating at the right places. Not with the same amount of emphasis on health. That's the key thing. I've been to great restaurants where... I went to remember for my dad's birthday, we went to this Italian restaurant near Columbus Circle, and I had this incredible food and usually I tend not to like fancy food fancy places because just it's tiny portions and just obnoxious servings I love that 
I can't pour that. I need to be. I need, I want to be full. I hmm. never have a problem with getting full. My wife and I almost always split entrees. You have a tiny stomach, James. <laughs> I don't know how you can do that. I, 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 I don't know. Leaves room. I'll eat everything, and I'll have room for dessert, and I'm still hungry at maybe two hours later. At right. most, at the risk of making a podcast about food, which nobody wants to listen to. <laughs> it's, but it's food, food tech and stuff. <laughs> anyway, I hope that someday there's a restaurant that has incredible vegetarian food with proper organic, maybe kosher meat. That way it's probably grown in a more responsible manner. Kosher meat is kosher because of the way they, the yeah. term is shecht, and then they kill it, the animal, without stunning it with an electric rod, which is... The last thing you want your animal to be is stressed when it dies, because then you have stress hormones flooding the meat, and you have all the neurons go haywire and then explode. Which is if you had, if you want to prevent mad cow disease, which thankfully hasn't been a problem lately, Ebola is, but that's for a different story. <laughs> you you don't want to shock and awe the cow, right? And then, and then anyway, oh, here's something interesting and disgusting about food. Yes. I I found out recently that blood is a substitute for eggs in many cases mm. because of the coagulation effects. I read that. I did. Um, Isn't that hilarious and kind of nasty? Well, this does bring... This does make a little bit more sense. This does make blood... It lets you use it. This gives slightly more uh, logistical credence to the infamous blood libel. And we'll link that in the show notes for folks who aren't familiar with this, that apparently Jews christian boys or muslim boys and, and or people and just and use their blood to make matzah you don't or bread but you except for the cannibalism part right <laughs> <laughs> although logistically speaking matzah should not have anything besides flour and water but i guess you can have egg matzah or you know bloody mary matzah made out of mary made out of mary <laughs> made out of bloody mary <laughs> just mary's blood it's disgusting. <laughs> Moving on. I actually told my wife that on the train while we were eating breakfast one day. She didn't appreciate it. That's the story that you just told, the blood egg substitution thing. You guys eat breakfast on the train? Uh, I mean, we eat a little snack on the train, kind of, like on the way to work. But do you eat at home at all in the morning? Uh, sometimes. I Like if we eat eggs or yogurt, then yes. If we eat like, I don't know, bread, like a uh, croissant or something, then no, we'll just take it with us. And for me, I can eat... Well, you're just standing there. I like to stand up when I eat, personally. How do you guys eat so little? I wake up, I'm ravenously famished. Well, it makes it feel better. I usually eat an hour later, too. Like, I eat the croissant, and then when I get off the train, I get, you know, to the office, and then about <coughs> 20 minutes later, I get an egg an egg sandwich. I have to wake up early because it takes me so long to eat my breakfast. Because there's just so much to so eat. So not only do you need to eat so much, you eat it slowly? No, no, no. There's just so much to eat. My breakfast, and again, we're running the risk of having a food-based podcast. We'll get back to cell phones momentarily. Giant bowl of cereal uh-huh. with, no, gluten-free, all that. Um, oh, with, that's why you're always hungry. No, this is like, this is, <laughs> this is quinoa. This cereal is incredible. A mixture of quinoa, amaranth, buckwheat, corn, um, and flax. My theory is that gluten is a vital nutrient and it makes me feel full. <laughs> just bullshitting. <laughs> you gotta get on my shit list, James. <laughs> With almond milk, chia seeds, and 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 and, and we discussed chia seeds and, and cinnamon. God, we discussed all those reasons for for the additional calcium. Plus, cinnamon helps stabilize your blood sugar, um, so you get you don't have the effects of even if you have something that's high glycemic as a high glycemic index, you can sip cinnamon cinnamon on it and you'll mitigate those effects. Glycemic index is the inflammatory part of the food it's how quickly it will, it will get absorbed into the into your bloodstream oh, right. sugar, how much it spikes your yeah your how quickly it drops afterwards 
and then I have two eggs and an avocado. Well, like a third of an avocado. Two eggs and a third of an avocado is like I'm good for a couple hours. I don't know how you're eating all this other stuff. And these are two like extra large eggs, and like I usually spray them with. I got this this ver- uh, this olive oil mi- with aromatic uh, eggs with olive oil. Good. Aromatic. It's like with infused with aroma of, uh, of truffles. <laughs> Back to the truffles. Back to the truffles. <laughs> and then a gluten-free bread with almond with with peanut butter, and then some fruit. God, I didn't eat dinner. Why are you doing this to me? And then I'm, and then if after I eat that, depending on how much I worked out the break throughout the week, uh-huh. I might be hungry within an hour. Well, that's different. If you exercise, then you, like, as as an immediate result of the exercise, have a need for more calories. Yes. But Not I, that you have to eat immediately, but your body has, like, a strictly dependent on how many calories you burn exercising desire to consume those calories. But the, my exercise isn't very intense. I've intentionally stopped doing a lot of cardio because I, I just I don't have the time to eat. I don't think it's cardio that makes you hungry. I think it's hard work with your muscles. No, no, no. It's like when I do... Oh, actually, no. I wonder. Because I get work, much hungrier if I lift weights than if I run. The cardio work that I do tends to be also more vigorous. Like, I don't run. I, I will bike, and then I'll row. You do that, like, high-intensity thing? Sort of. Do you know about that? Yeah, the oh, yeah, hips okay. trend. Yeah. Um, I'm simultaneously skeptical and intrigued about that. I haven't read enough about it to really know if I believe it or not. Look into the something called the Tabata technique. I'll link that in the show notes about this. And I think this is what high intensity training is based off, or maybe loosely based off. Okay. So it's a four minute workout that's supposed to get your heart rate up to a certain proper level, but in terms of like how they switch up the exercises, it gets pretty intense. Then you do, you know, so you could do you one or two rounds of those. And of course, there's also like the seven minutes, the scientific seven minute workout. That right. Link that as well. That was the New York Times. There's like a bazillion apps you can download to do it. There are indeed, and most of them steal various amounts of your data and have very shady things. So, but, so let's make a segue here into how this could work for people, how exercise and um, food can work better, can be used for, by people to think and function better. Okay. If, you eat the, if you eat the nutrients that you need in the morning, you will think better. That was quick. <laughs> As in like you have the fats, you have healthy sugars, you have proper oils, and then you have enough sleep and exercise. There's really not that many ingredients, not to throw a pun right out there, but not that many ingredients to feeling like good and healthy, just general wellness. It's not that complicated. I mean, almost all of it is diet, sleep, and exercise. But you'd be surprised at how intricate those elements get. Like, in, you, there yeah, are so many. they're also well-understood elements. I would argue that they're not. I mean, there are people who don't realize that they're probably deficient in magnesium and how much better they would sleep if they had more magnesium. I don't think that means it's not well-understood. Just because it's we don't wild, understand widely understood. So, well, it could be well-understood by some, but it's not widely understood. I think, well... Everyone kind of has a pretty good idea of what a healthy food is. And like, if I just show you flashcards, show you a food, cake, healthy or not healthy, like obviously not yes, healthy, but carrot, we- healthy or not healthy. <laughs> like- but you don't get the nutrients just by looking at it. You actually have to incorporate it into your diet. You have to realize, you can, but there's also, this is where it gets a little shady because I'm, I'm kind of against this. You can get into biohacking and uh-huh. you eat certain things so that you, at certain times of the day, so you can kind of strategically place them out. For instance, I used to eat almonds before I went to bed. Because okay. they're high in magnesium, and I would sleep better because of them. Unless you were not hungry and you forced yourself to eat, and then you overate that day. I'm always hungry. <laughs> this is not a problem. <laughs> I, I was when I was younger. I, I I legitimately went to the doctor to get tested for tapeworm because I thought maybe I have something. Why am I always so hungry? Nope. Just a stupid metabolism. Stupidly fast. 
You're just full of super active bacteria. They're stealing all your food. Yeah. I also get a lot of fiber. <laughs> I think that falls in the TMI category. <laughs> Lots of vegetables. I'm not saying what the outcome of that is. I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short trip from the statement to the outcome. All right. Let's talk about your phone. So going phoneless was a bit of a blessing. Here's where it gets, here's where it gets messy, though. I went phoneless Friday evening, which is when I started when I went to Startup Weekend Social Impact. I think that in the show notes with that. Um, Startup Weekend was a 54-hour hackathon challenge, but it's less, more, less of a hackathon, more of a starting your actual company. Okay. You validate your business model, you go out there, you get some customers, and you make things happen. So did you get any customers? No. Um, I'm not going to share too much about my experience at Startup Weekend itself with what I worked on. Okay. Um, so you lost your phone right before that. Wait, how did you lose your phone? I didn't lose my phone. I just stopped working. Uh, I had the phone with me, which is the most frustrating thing you can possibly do. You have a phone in your pocket, but you can't turn it on. You compulsively pull out your phone, and it doesn't work. Well, I didn't stop. I compulsively tried to pull it out and turn it on. And I, I, I was having recurring problems for maybe two, three weeks, and it just got worse, worse, and then it just died, which was difficult. Because I, I remember I had, I had a lunch meeting that day, and I, had, I kept having to reschedule slightly by a couple of minutes, and the person spent a long time waiting for me. So you had like an extended version of the dead battery experience. Yes. Except the battery wasn't dead. Yeah, the battery's just fine. I thought I would just have to get a new battery. So I was gonna I was gonna try getting uh one one, I'll link that in the show notes, to deliver uh, a battery for me, have somebody pick it up. One one's a service that you can use so iPhone only for now. You can have anyone have someone deliver you anything within an hour for free. You have to pay for the item itself, but the delivery's free. Apparently they have deals with their merchants. Huh. I mean obviously they always get like inappropriate requests, but they filter those out pretty quickly. All right. So you, what, tell me about, like, let's let's skip over the specific context a little bit. Like, not say that you're not allowed to talk but about I, it, but how, I, what I was, was your experience? Ev- like, I was on an event where I typically I would need to use my phone. You typically where? would or would not? Would, because, like, I would have to go out in the customer development. You have to go outside and you actually have to talk with people. Part we were building was, a, was, a, was an app. So we had a mobile prototype that we created with using an app called Pop, which is kind of convenient. Okay. Get kind of take photographs of something and... And then that creates into a mobile prototype. But we, we, we couldn't, I couldn't do that. At the same time, there are people who, I mean, there are meetings I wanted to have afterwards. There, obviously, there are people I want to text, and this is the issue with in general. People are present in an environment, but then they're distant because they have something else that's always tying them to it. Tying them. Right. And that's having, true. And having that, I had this constant craving, like I need something new. And this craving something that I want to... A new what? Information? Like you want to read something, see something, a video? Constantly consume something new. I get this reward mechanism for something new. And I... I, Earlier today during... While I was eating lunch, I started thinking about this exact feeling because I... uh, When I went out without my phone for a little while, I became super tuned to when I was craving something and what I was craving and how I was missing out on something. I actually think that this is why people... Because the book is not new anymore after you've read the first chapter. It's, It's not... Oh, I see. Like, when you read the second chapter, it's just more of the same. I, I remember when I was younger, I used to love reading Dig. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. This is before, like, the big schism. Uh, although, just about the right time. Right, it was taking off, but Dig was still good. This is before Dig... What was the um, accidental version? What was the, the... I don't know. I think it was 3. three. Dig 3, I think. This I is before know. Dig 3. And I, I was... I, I loved consuming so much information. I was learning more things than ever learned before. I was able to bring things up in conversation... It was pleasant. Yeah. Was, I could speak to more people about different things, and then if I was curious about something, I could chat with them. And they had a good breakdown by, like, category. Right. Like, if you don't care about, I don't know, gardening, like, you don't have to go to the gardening section of Dig. 
I would just read the top, and then I would scroll through so many different pages, and it was great. Yeah, I'm sure Dig sucked for people who didn't like tech, because I bet tech stuff went into every category. There was there was some tech, but I would like there was a lot of science stuff. It was pleasant. Yeah, uh, no, it was great. I'm just saying, Dig was basically for people like you and me. I bet if you went to Dig for the gardening section, you would have been like, "Why is the iPhone crap always in the gardening section?" Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody planted an iPhone because they're trying to make an apple tree. <laughs> Plant an apple tree. Um, I wait. So you had what kind of phone? Did we talk about this on the show or before yes, the show? We talked on the show. Okay, the S3. So yeah, the S3. Which is, it was a solid phone, but this this constant craving. I was th- thinking back to something else I said earlier on the show about how, when we were talking about the, those architects and how... Architects? Um, and how we went, I went to their office and oh, I yeah, was yeah. upset that they weren't dog fooding. And I realized, but here I am consuming something because it's fun for me to read this information. But there are also people who work so hard at their job and they might not have the time and the capacity to explore something new. So they'll be stuck, they'll be a little bit insulated from everything else on the outside, whereas I'm not because of my current position. But if I spent more time doing, taking, working on a certain craft, I wouldn't have the time to do it either. And, and here- Why do you say that? I have time to do it. I guess I don't, but I do it anyway. Maybe I was being a little hypercritical here, because I was thinking, I'm instead of being creative, I'm consuming, and I'm getting all this, yes, I'm getting these factoids, and yes, I'm being satisfied, and I'm being given something new, though by the, t- by the evening, like if I come home and I'm drained, because I'm- tired i still might go online i'll just look at something and i'll yeah I'll, I'll, i might read it and i'll get more information but at work i mean in downtime at work i might go on TechCrunch. i'm still getting something new and i'm not really gaining much from it yes every now and then like, oh my god i found out something yeah what if i found about it anyway when i'm tired i actually don't read my must reads list like i have my in my rss reader the must reads list and if i'm tired i'll go on twitter instead because like I want to savor those things mm-hmm. from those writers that I really like, and I don't want to be like I don't want to be like halfway through and just be like, you know, just sort of your eyes are just like flowing over the text and you're not really reading it. I wonder if that's why I've so, uh, that's why I'm such a tab whore because I leave the ta- leave the tab open until I want to read it later, and I get too tired to read it because it's it's a lengthier, more intellectually intensive read. But then what I'm not doing is I'm not spending some time just sitting and letting myself just daydream. Which is something that we no one's doing anymore. People aren't. This is this is what was great about having not having a phone. I would walk home from work, twenty five minutes, and at that point in time, there wasn't a single possible interruption. No one could possibly get to me. I didn't have to exercise. And this is another issue. I didn't have to exercise self control. Even when I say I wanted to exercise self control, it's still in the back of my head that at any point in time. I can check my phone. I will feel a vibration. Something's gonna happen. I could turn off airplane modes. Once it's out of my control, then that's, that, was, that was pure liberation. And granted, I didn't travel too much during this time, so I didn't have to worry about the train. But everywhere I went, I kind of knew where I was going. We, yeah. we become so dependent on what we, on what we use, we've in, we stifle any kind of growth or development of the skills that we would have had otherwise. Okay. Uh, so is that like the main... Is that a plus or a minus? It's like you wanted the phone to be there, so is that a good thing or you bad thing it's a bad thing because <laughs> good or bad good or bad <laughs> this is a big cnn thing john stewart parody that I we can find it <laughs> um i it was a terrible thing because it means i was craving it because it means that i this this extension of self mm-hmm. that i didn't have now now i have to go recur back to refer back to myself and having this constant feeling like i want something new i want something new we get that through the phone we get the distraction we get, we get this at any point in time we don't want to be uncomfortable 
And having just, we forget what it's like to be uncomfortable. That this is a natural feeling. That's when the thoughts, the creative thoughts start flowing. When you come home, the best thing you could do is just, just, just daydream. You don't have to worry about sitting from the computer and vegetating. Partially what you're doing is you're shutting down. You're not thinking at all. You're calm. At work, you're, you're stressed, but you're in front of the computer. And that's one thing I hate about work. Part of what I have to do at work is sit in front of the computer. But if I get up, I feel guilty because if, and I, think, I feel as if I'm not actually working. I have to have the illusion of work. It has to be in front of the computer. This is the workstation. My walking around is not a workstation. My, this, is, this is something else. I, I wonder how many other people, and if, listeners, if you guys experience this, I'd love to chat or correspond about this exact feeling and what you guys have done to overcome this and, and how. This Mainly, feeling of- I, well, I have some ideas about, first of all, where there's like sort of dependence, like the feeling like you have to check your phone all the time. And um, it's, I'm not sure if it's, de- well, the feeling you have to check your phone all the time, I don't think that's dependence. I think that's, and look at me, I'm checking my phone right now. It's a, you get a little burst of something new. Well, I, okay. So that, I think the little burst of something new is if there's a problem, which honestly, I think this whole thing, like if you Google like going without a cell phone or like, I don't know, whatever, make up anything related to this topic, you'll find a bazillion bloggers talking about how they had this life altering experience of not using their phone for five days or something. It is. It really, but the thing is, so I don't, I've gone without my phone for five days. Like, I don't know, I went on like a week-long hiking trip, and it really was not an experience for me. But no, but James, there you were on a week-long hiking trip. You were, you were doing something active. Try living your day-to-day without your phone. It's just an inconvenience. It's like, not, it's like when you lose power at home and you can't turn the lights on, so you have to light candles instead. It's not – I mean, I don't know. So last Thursday, I forgot to charge my phone, and I left home and, like, you know, get on the subway – look at the battery and it's like, oh crap. I just got a little red, like emaciated sliver there. (laughs) It's like, this is not going to end well. But I mean, so go out and do whatever I was doing. And on my way home, just as I was like heading towards a train station, pulled my phone out and like clicked the little on, on off wake button and you know, it's dead. So then I had to spend, you know, half of my walk to the train station and then like the entire train ride and whatever with no phone. And it, I mean, other than being inconvenienced, it wasn't that big of a deal. I've noticed that if I, like if anything, the worst part about having your phone die is that your phone is now a replacement for like 15 individual objects that you would have been carrying with you in like, maybe not all at the same time, but like, okay, wait, tilt, okay, things that you might use, like if you didn't have a phone, all the objects you would have instead to do all the stuff that your phone does... Okay, so obviously it's the phone. Then you have your watch. So I didn't know what time it was. As I'm yes. waiting for the train, I'm like, how much time has passed? Turns out there was delays. I stood in that train station for like half an hour, not knowing what time it was, just standing there with nothing to do. But isn't that a great feeling? You had no clue what time it was. You had no clue it was passing around you. I also, I, I don't know. No, I mean, I just started asking people because I've been standing there for so long. And, isn't that a, and wasn't it great to ask somebody else to have like, the, wait, sir, what time is it? That's the question that people don't ask anymore. But they can. I would ask people what time it was, especially when I was running late to work. Okay, so that's just one thing. And then, of course, the alarm clock component of a timepiece or whatever. Okay, then there's the map. So, God forbid I had not been in New York and didn't know where this public transit was. I would have been screwed. <laughs> and then gaming. Like, you could carry a Game Boy or a Sega whatever. I don't think things. that's one of those valuable life things you have to have. Well, I don't know. If you have a lot of time, like, you're going to be in public transit, you may not want to just... Okay, I don't really buy the thing that people need to daydream more. I think I daydream plenty. When my mind needs a break, then I'm just staring at my screen as if I was reading, but nothing is happening. My eyes are just glazed over, and I'm daydreaming, even though my phone is in front of me. 
I don't think that has gone away. You know, oh, so here's the difference, though. Wait, you I'm only a third of the way through my list. You don't use Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to get to that. All right, so I'm going to go through the rest really fast. So Walkman, tape player, whatever, iPod, MP3 player, broadcast radio, all of that, like, audio sort of audio-only mediums, the personal voice recorder for making notes, a notepad, like the pencil and paper version of taking notes, <laughs> camera, calculator, newspapers, books, magazines, address book, planner, calendar... <laughs> And then the Weather Channel, local newspaper, etc. Instant Messenger. Instant Messenger is a thing you actually never could have on your person before, but now you can, and it's great. No, it's terrible. I used to love having away messages. I was to write to people. Come away join us. messages? Mm-hmm. And on AIM. I'm going to go into the park to play handball. You know, I would reach out to individual friends saying, you know, Cody and Mike, join us there. Because well, they would come online and they'd say, oh, look, here they are. The Twitter or Facebook status is the new, the new away message. Well, sort of, because you have to you have to go there. It's not as if you had this... <sighs> Someone would have to go on AIM and read your OA message. But they would see your name, they would see the OA message right next to it. Whereas in, on Facebook now, you don't have that. You have eh. your IM. If they can implement that again, that'd be kind of... Right. Do you read about the new egregious Facebook Messenger um, privacy policy? No. Oh, we'll link that in the show notes. It's something that, you, that lets you... You let you have to let them look through all your contacts. How often you contact each one calls, texts, emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, it can make calls on, on, your, on your behalf. It can send texts on your behalf, even without you permitting it. But they're not going to actually do that because they would get, there'd be so much public outcry. Uh, if Facebook Messenger sent a message on your behalf without your, your intent to send the message, people would be pissed. People are pissed at Facebook for many things. It doesn't stop them. I think when people get mad about changes to like privacy policy, well, privacy policy is a different thing. When people get mad about terms of service changes and stuff, it's like some lawyer drafted this, and like the even the people at the company barely even read it. Like it's not like Zuckerberg calls up the legal department and is like, "Hey, can you draft in some draconian extra thing into our contract?" Like Zuckerberg. That's what you think. No, Zuckerberg does shit without getting legal to approve it, and then after the fact, they have to go back and like change their terms of service before they get sued. <laughs> like, I really don't think anyone. I, I don't know. Just getting upset about like something that some legal thing that no one actually reads says is kind of a weird thing. Like, first of all, those terms of service documents—they have no teeth. Like, you can sue a company even if the terms of service says they're allowed to do the thing. Really? It doesn't protect them. Oh. If doing the thing is illegal, it doesn't become legal oh, just right, because right. the terms of service says they're allowed to do it. That, that's the nature of law. You can't make a contract for something that's inherently illegal. Right. And in if order, it's not for it illegal, illegal they don't need the terms of surf- service to do it. Right. Unless they can argue enough and lobby enough that this is exactly that it's good. I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, getting upset about that kind of a thing, I never could understand. I mean, for the regular everyday person... If you're a business, like, then you have to worry more about legal stuff because that's the actual – I don't want to use the word contract, but that's the actual agreement between two businesses. But when it's between a consumer and a business and it's about information, it's like they're going to do whatever they want with the information anyway. Right. So <laughs> – and, like, especially if it's going to be a thing that's going to drive people away from the business, like, you kind of have to realize what their incentives are. It's like not that they should leave it in, but it's just – I don't know. People get too worked up. It's not that they shouldn't make a stink about stupid policies, but they should Most shouldn't. of them are making a stink because other people are making a stink. Yeah, I, I find it very boring also to discuss legal policy, like terms of service and privacy policies and stuff. And the freaking cookie stuff is so dumb. I don't want to hear about cookies. <laughs> I wish there was a setting I could turn on in my browser that's like called 
tell every website that operates in Europe to not ask me about cookies. Yes, for the love of God, just make the cookie. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, that's what you're referring to. <laughs> Those little pop-downs like, hey, this site uses cookies. I'm like, yeah, you and every website on the internet. Like, I wish you didn't show me this message. <laughs> Except them all. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. I collect cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them. Except in the world of cookies, there's like, instead of just 100. <laughs> I mean 450. I mean 650. 750? Are they up to that yet? How many Pokemons are there? Whoa. And I Whoa. love pluralizing Pokemons because it's hilarious. James, <laughs> I think you just killed your inner child right now. I like, I never said Pokemon with an S at the end as a child, and I know that you're not supposed to, but saying Pokemons, it just makes you chuckle. It makes me think of an old person. You know what's better? <laughs> it's like saying it wrong when old people say it pokemans that just that reminds oh, me man i would have said that if i thought of it <laughs> that's what my middle school did i just i just realized we must have opened up our was it a 10-year time capsule or was it a 20-year time capsule we buried a time capsule in my high school my, my middle school and one of the things that we buried was pokemon cards Pokemon's still relevant though and some i still like think that pokemon cards is a fun game i don't own any but i never played the actual game game i did collect them and trade very, very... It's like a simplified version of Magic the Gathering. Yes. Like, a version of Magic the Gathering that you can actually learn in one hour. I, I, like, wish Magic would... When Magic started, first edition, whenever that was, it didn't have that many rules. But in uh, an effort... When, when, when God created the Earth? Yes. I mean, it did have a lot of rules. It's kind of always been a complicated game, but with each edition that comes out, in order to keep keep the diehard fans interested they keep adding new things with new rules and now they have so many damn rules that it's like practically impossible to learn how to play the game you're like all right i got this there's regular guys on the ground and then there's flying guys guys on the ground can't block the flying ones because they could fly right over makes sense right well this thing is kind of flying and kind of not flying and this thing goes underground and this thing has super blocking and it's like <laughs> and this is magic and this is an interrupt which can block magic even if it's not your turn and it's like i don't know i don't even really like i haven't played magic since i was in elementary school and i still like You're still list, i can still list all these freaking like rules that i remember like you think you have a good strategy and then you try and employ it and then some the person you're playing against has some card with some rule that you've never heard of it's like the opposite of chess, where there's not that many rules and tons and tons of possible game variations. <laughs> Speaking of things that are back in the day, uh, one of the things I did this last weekend was I started watching, um, I was on a date, same person, um, Nine and a Half Weeks, which is Never a movie with Mickey Rourke and... Love that guy. I think it's Mickey Rourke, anyway. I'm blanking on the, girl, on the woman's name. Anyway, it's a movie that's about lots of sexual things. I only got like 10 minutes into it because I was way too tired. But the beginning of the movie features... Uh, a recently divorced blonde who is, you know, questionable in her confidence. And she encounters a guy who has a very, very confident aura to him. I'm not sure what to stare. One that would put somebody who is not equally confident at... No, they put they would put him at an unease. Have you ever wanted to say the word dis-ease instead of unease? And you realize it's actually disease, so you can't use it? <laughs> it almost happened. Even though I keep thinking... Especially when I write it. I, wait, no, no, I'm not a disease. I'm at unease. I'm uneasy, not diseasy. <laughs> I try and avoid words with prefixes when there's a synonym with no prefix. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Although I, I don't really say unease. And, and at one point, they, later on, you know, after meeting, they meet each other again and they hang out. And then she goes to what he says is his friend's house, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. You get to see there's some nice glamorous shots of New York City in the, you know, the mid-80s. 
of course, when he had a phone, and when she first saw him, she she was fascinated by him because this very confident, striking, handsome fellow. But there's no Craigslist misconnection supposed. There's there's nothing. You you just you see him again or you don't. And now we've. I guess we've eliminated serendipity a little bit in a different at least the way we interpreted it before, just bumping to someone, just seeing someone and focusing more on that as opposed to thinking, maybe we'll still get them somewhere else. Remember in my when I was in college and I had you no know, days I had low self confidence, I would walk through Times Square and train station transferring over. And I would see read the cute girl, I thought, Oh, I'll just probably find her could keep it. Really? That's that. That was my thought. You think you can find a random person that you just saw in a train station on Okay Cupid? As in, like, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll eventually end up finding her there. But I don't think I've, I don't think that's it, that has ever happened. I've see, I I feel like when you see a person in the real world, assuming you're going to run into them again, even on the internet, is still really low odds. Yeah. Like even if you post misconnections, like that, you're making the assumption that person is going to go look in misconnections. Men post a lot more misconnections than women do. That's for sure. Surprise. <laughs> I did post, I made one post, and it was this poetic thing. Uh, it was anonymous then, but I guess it's, it's been so long since no one can ever find it. And I think it was, I titled it, um, Why I'll Never Have a Misconnection. It was kind of an ode, semi, with some something of a rhyme scheme, to the girl who'll never have one because she doesn't step out of the house. She's so, but she wants one, and she wants that connection, but she can't get herself to come out. Uh, and I got some pleasant responses to it. People were very like, thank you. Like This this sounds like it's about me. I feel warm. I feel pleasant. Did it result in any unmissed connections? Um, I mean, I, I mean, the people reached out to me. They're, they're, they're from all over. They weren't, it wasn't, and that's a great part. It wasn't only New York City. So I'm guessing people must have spread it to somebody else. Maybe they have shared it on their... It was, um, what I want to do is I want to put a... Uh, maybe I'll post it again and put a little bit.ly link in there see who clicks it. <laughs> And see where it goes. I know how much you hate see where the See where the people are. Mm-hmm. Or how many people clicked it in general. I mean, the IP hashing. Yeah, just to see that. I mean, not IP hashing, just like, just the number of clicks. Bitly does it for me. It's true. But so in the scene, with, with in nine and a half weeks, she was uncomfortable when she was around him. There was no, f- and she's like, I want to go home now. There's no Uber you can call. There was no, <laughs> you can't you call your friend. just leave. She did leave, but she couldn't just whip out her phone and, and then she had to face discomfort. When you're uncomfortable somewhere, when you're somewhere where people are looking at you, you just look up your phone and you're good to go. You're in the elevator, you're on your phone. One thing that was sickening for me was how much satisfaction I had in finally being with the phone and being able to just hide my face in the elevator with it. Because before that, I, had, I couldn't. For four, four or five days, I couldn't do anything. Now, haha, I can be in the elevator, I can look right down, and it felt so good. I actually feel like I'm being rude if I... If I sense any possibility that the person I'm around might talk to me, like yeah. When I'm in the elevator, I sort of feel the feeling like the other people in the elevator might say something to me, and so I feel like I'm being rude if I take out my phone. I try to never take out my phone in the, in the ele- elevator. Like if I'm the only one in the elevator, then I obviously I don't feel rude taking it out, so I do. And then if someone gets in and I already took it out, then I don't feel rude continuing to read it. But like. No, but it, so if for, I walk in the elevator at the same time with someone else, I'm like, I can't take out my phone, or else I'm implicitly saying, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> in my building, um, well, at work, I did it even there's nobody in the elevator. I just, oh, this feels so good. I'm riding in the elevator. This, this, this 15 seconds in the elevator that I'm miserable. I'm not, but I can get some satisfaction. I can get, I can get some stimulation of it other, that I wouldn't get otherwise. From the phone, just, just something new, something new, something new. And it's just, it's it's a dopamine rush. It's just, and in the morning, oh, it's the in the morning it was the worst. Morning you wake up and like you want that cigarette, you want that that email. Really, I don't look at my phone usually until like 
don't know, maybe 9.30. Clearly I'm way more than you are. Why is it so different for me then? What am I waiting for? So, well, okay, so here's my proposal. The solution. Turn off the ability for every application to push information at you. It should, you should only be asking your phone for information. Your phone should never be saying, hey, look at me, look at me. So I don't, like, I don't have Twitter like badges or notifications on, so if someone tweets at me, I don't find out until the next time I happen to think, let me check Twitter. Same for Facebook, same for LinkedIn, same for email. So I turn off Facebook. LinkedIn's on only if somebody adds me. The only thing that I get a notification for on my phone is, so on iPhone there's VIP for emails, so that's my wife and someone I work with who... Like, I know that any message from that person is handwritten to me, Mm -hmm. and I'm most likely the only recipient. So that will put no alert, just a badge. So I'll see on the mail icon the little circle with the number on it, how many VIP emails there are. And usually there's nothing. And then same thing for text messaging. That has alerts turned on. So if someone sends me a text, it'll pop up a notification. But, like, I take forever to respond to texts anyway, so people have been trained to not text me and expect an immediate response, and as a result, they don't send me that many texts. So, all in all, I hardly receive any of, like, my phone buzzes maybe 10, 15 times a day at most for the entire day, so that's like one an hour. I think the worst thing I had, the worst time in terms of these cravings. Oh, and phone ringing. Okay, I forgot that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But who who, who uses that function of the phone anymore? Yeah, I... I get only like three or four phone calls a week. That's a lot. Three or four? I think so. I mean... Wait, from the in, same people or four, four different people? No, in total, four total calls. Maybe three of the four are all one person. Okay. Like, maybe so then, my mom. <laughs> she likes the phone. She likes to talk. I'm, I'm, I'm upset that there's no VIP feature. I would, that'd, that'd be awesome. I mean, so now I have an HTC. Before I had a Samsung. And HTC, it's, it's clearly designed by people who are not very intuitive. The user experience I have with HTC, I regretted. I'm still regretting getting HTC phone right now because the hardware. You can still return it. But I don't want Samsung's hardware. Really? Well, HTC. From what I hear, HTC makes the best hardware in Android, but Samsung still is like the top of the heap in terms of overall phones. It is. I just got so sick of looking at the Samsung designs. The same exact one it's been for so long. So I wonder how people deal with iPhones. It looks the same. It just changed one year ago, very drastically. Well, not... Okay, kind of. You still have that main phone that you have like a little button in the middle. All my HTC phones have been vastly different. My first HTC phone was HTC Touch. It had like a nice little... Not a trackpad, but like a little quad, quad-directional quad pad with a middle button. My next one had, a, had like a little scroll ball, which I used to call it clit. I think this is one of the important differences between people who buy Apple products and people who buy like Android and Windows phones. People who buy... like. There's a reason why Samsung has like a new gimmick with every phone and the iPhone never has that stuff. Like people who buy iPhones, they value that it doesn't change. So the gimmick thing, when it's Samsung does it, it's a gimmick because it's something new and they're trying something new. With Apple, they don't try gimmicks. They see what works and they, imp- they perfect it and they implement it. They don't release it until they know it's good and that they're <laughs> yeah. going to keep it. So you, they need somebody has to be the gimmicky one. Yeah, but... but- but so with, but with for like, instance, Touch ID. Touch ID is the best. Really? And I don't care what anyone says. I type my password maybe once a day on my phone, and I just like you check my phone all the time. Like I, people talk about how Touch ID has problems and how it's bad or what. I don't know what the problem is with Touch ID, but every time I turn my phone on, I unlock it with my fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Totally not a big deal, and totally great that it can be locked and not make me type something on the screen every time I want to look at it. 
I love Touch ID. I use Touch ID in the App Store. I'm like, yes, don't have to type my password. Download that app. On the subject of phones, um, I'm hiring an intern. Oh, yeah? If, folks... If Why is that on the subject of phones? Because I just turned on my phone and I remembered I, po- I posted something on Facebook. But oh, I you intern. needed that little fix and you got reminded. I did. <laughs> a little fix. Although there's no notification. I just opened up Facebook because... While we're podcasting, you just got to check Facebook real quick. Because <laughs> I'm craving. I, I, I need that bump. <laughs> it's terrible. I, so I was talking to my sister uh, about this yesterday, actually. And she was telling me that she went to Malaysia for, I don't know, like a month or so. And she brought her phone, but obviously she didn't have service in Malaysia. But so. she had Wi-Fi. Yeah, like once in a while. Maybe like once every few days. Mm-hmm. So she kind of didn't have a phone. Like she had the piece of hardware with her, but it wasn't doing any of the phone things that you normally think of. So it was basically just like an MP3 player. It was an iPod. And, that, and a camera. Okay, yeah. Well, she has like a DSLR, uh-huh. so it wasn't really a camera. But uh, And she, she was in the, it was a life-changing thing. It was great. I had this clarity of mind. I but, was able to focus. But on your things. sister is an active Facebook user. Yeah. She's on Instagram a lot, I think. She's like she has. She's an active social media user. I am too. I mean, I have. You, I've written but, like thirty five hundred tweets or something. But you use social media. You use social media for for professional purposes. I feel like she uses social media more for social purposes. And once you have the social thing, once you use social media becomes a social thing for you, mm-hmm. as opposed to a professional thing, your mind changes entirely. Hmm. You get maybe you, you just get rewired. That's where it gets sickening for me. I've had that happen. Maybe that's the problem, and maybe that's why I don't, I don't experience what everyone else experiences. Because, just in general, social validation has never that been that important to me. But I mean, and it's weird because it is important to me, but I really only desire it in professional contexts. So here, but here's something that's really different. You're happily married, and you're happily married at a relatively young age, which Uh is which is virtually unheard of in the non-religious secular community. So a non-religious young, uh, I mean, current. I have other, I have friends that are just like me that are married and happy and sec- secular. I'm not the only one that I know. Birds of a feather. <laughs> I guess. Well, why is that rare? Why? I mean, because in general, people having s- sustainable, committed, honest relationships now is rare. Because everyone wants the next best thing. They, they can just swipe right to something new. People swipe right. <laughs> I okay. I <laughs> thinking of which I got so I got this new app called Hinge, which is like Tinder, but if you only like friends of friends. Okay. And then I got and then there's a match yesterday. This really cute Jewish girl, in, like, incredibly attractive. And then we ch- and then she messages me and and then we chat briefly and then I like two messages go back and forth and she sends messages me in the evening again. And she works in PR, so go figure. This is the whole just gender disparity in in, in tech and PR is kind of absurd. It's it's like a stereotype that women are in PR. Oh, and I didn't. Know it's that. partially lives up to its area because that's what. And she writes the word necessary, but spelled N E S S A C A R Y. What? Necessary. necessary. But like the reverse. Got it. I didn't respond. I'm like, oh, but you're so. But no. But you're so. No. No. It, it was. It was. It was upsetting. Because I would have just used it in a sentence spelled right. Like I would have just worked the right spelling into the conversation. You're right. It is. A, no, I, I used to do that. Oh, man, this brings me back to... I don't know. I don't hold it against people when they spell things wrong. My job posting on Facebook said equal opportunity employer unless you don't, unless you don't use the Oxford comma. Okay. Which is, I think I'm allowed to say that because privately posting this personally. I can't actually do that anywhere else I, pu- I publish this. Although, no, sure you can. 
I mean, it's obviously a joke. Like, even if you... You, you, you think I'm kidding about the Oxford comma? I hate not using that. It's just to clarify, the Oxford comma is when you use the comma before the word and. We'll link a, we'll link a little comic in the show notes about that, about Stalin. Honestly, I don't think it matters if you use it or not. I don't care as long as you're consistent. And even, don't really care that much about consistency. If the sentence doesn't make sense, if the comma is what the meaning of the sentence hinges on, you probably should reword the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I dislike Zuckerberg, because he's against the actual comma. He's against, he thinks it's, it's, it's faster to not use I appreciate the visual, like, simplicity, the, the extra clarity that comes with reducing the visual noise. And if you, if you... I thought the clarity comes from having the, that comma there. It's just, the it's, comma it's resolves ambiguity, but it introduces more syntax that you have to parse. And if you need the syntax in order to disambiguate what I the meaning that of you the need sentence to, is, then I, you probably should just reword the sentence so that when you read it, you know exactly what it means without having to look for the comma. But the way people write... So, then, okay, you make a good point. But the way that people write yep. is as if they would be using the Oxford comma, but they end up not using it, and the sentence they structure should have it. So, yes, if they could restructure sentence in a way that they wouldn't, they wouldn't need an Oxford comma, golden... Please, I beseech I tend to not use it. I think it looks weird. To me, a comma next to the word "and" just kind of looks strange. When I when I don't put and in, I, I totally th- get it. Like as a programmer, I get like a non-ambiguous syntax is desirable. But when I see it, I'm like, eh, just put that. If you need to use the word "and" as to group two things that are one unit, just put that thing first. Which cats is- and dogs, <laughs> birds, and hamsters. <laughs> Speaking of which. Um, well, speaking of birds, I was on my I was on the train to Long Island City. Cats and dogs, birds and went <laughs> <laughs> to Long Island City on Sunday to see my buddy my buddy play a show. And I think on the second stop I was on, I mean I wasn't there for too too, too long. Somebody walks on and I hear them saying to their friend, "What's the point of getting a bird as a pet if you don't let it u- if you don't let it use its wings?" And that I was going to read my book, and instead I spent the entire train thinking about that one line. Yeah, that's now use that as a metaphor for everything else. Being with somebody, but you don't let them use their gift, and this is, I guess, maybe still having some slight resentment for an ex when I was younger. That no, she kind of gave up her art to be with somebody else, and I kind of just started a family that was supposed to maintain the art. Like somebody has a gift of any sort, and they settle, and then they, and then, but and then they get caught in something, and maybe they're happy, maybe they're not. But somebody else who appreciates them from having that gift chooses to then stifle them yeah i guess if you're happy you're happy but you're not happy and it's it's somebody else who i mean you could be happy by because by sheer virtue of not knowing or by stifling yourself and just been hiding behind something but happiness could also be happy to 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 fight your point i know she's not happy okay actually actually she's fundamentally depressed but like that's a bunch of other issues to address your point from earlier i think it is entirely possible that the reason i'm able to be happily married young atheist is that i was raised in a very religious family like all the all of whatever the side benefits that you accidentally get from religion are like i got it (laughs) but i i just you know can't can't do the actual belief (laughs) maybe one day my mom will listen to this podcast and then she'll find out your parents don't know Eh, i mean i'm sure they suspect (laughs) the best day to pick up a jewish girl because you can tell that they're Jewish on Ash Wednesday because they don't have ashes on them? Yes. I don't put ashes on me. You could be basically picking up anyone who's not Christian. Not Catholic. I never had it. I never did Ash Wednesday. 
<laughs> I mean, no one at the church that I went to as a kid would put ashes on themselves on Ash Wednesday. When I lived in Bedsty, I guess Bedsty is a very Catholic place because there would be people at the train station, like at the subway, with the ashes, and they would put it on everyone's forehead that wanted it. Like nuns. There'd be nuns at like standing outside the subway station, and they would give you the little ash on your forehead if you... Is there a big Spanish population? Um, I mean, as far as I know, it's mostly black. But Ash Wednesday is a Catholic thing. I guess. I don't know. I'm an atheist. And I was never Catholic, so <laughs> I'm not even like an atheist that used to be Catholic. Well, you t well first, I, I, I would like to extend a hand for you completely. Uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I um, just, I'm sorry, I didn't <laughs> get it. <laughs> Hang on a second. There's some other things I want to talk about before we're done with the phone thing. All right. So I want to talk about how people always feel like they're reaching into their pocket to pull out their phone. For me, usually it's to check the time, but just in general. What if it's something else? What if there's a message? All right, fine. But, like, I compulsively, for instance, touch my glasses, like, just push them up or whatever. And when I don't have glasses on, I actually realize that I, I have, have been classically conditioned by the smudges that accumulate around the edges of the lenses that if my vision is blurry, I, like, without thinking reach to push my glasses up because the center of the lens is always clearer. <laughs> and so when I don't have glasses on, I'll go to touch the glasses, like go to push them up and realize there's nothing on my face. And I kind of think that that is just like the phone. Like I want to know what time it is. So I reach in my pocket and I'm like, oh yeah, don't have a phone or oh yeah, phone's dead. It's like just because you do it without thinking doesn't mean that it's an, like that you have a problem necessarily. Taking on a challenge to myself. And so rather than checking the time on my phone, asking people in the street. Okay. But then they're going to wonder, where's your phone? This is inappropriate societal behavior. You have to look at, you have to look, you have to ask yourself what time it is. You can't ask somebody else. Chicago wrote a song about this 30 years ago, and it's only gotten worse. Song in the show notes, I don't know. Does anybody really know what time it is? Dot, dot, dot. Speaking of friendly connections, on Sunday, I smiled at somebody in the train. How'd that go? Well. It went well. Within two minutes, I learned that this fellow was a canter at this the city's only lgbt synagogue um and he was going to nudist interesting he took him off to men's then he gave me then i realized there my friendly smile was misinterpreted as something else yes granted i was in chelsea so i guess that <laughs> smiling at people is a friendly thing to do but okay and this is and this this makes me wonder about resting bitch face about what? Believe this phenomenon. Resting bitch faces when people have a scowling face. I wonder if it's because in the past when they've smiled, they've gotten attention that they didn't want to have. And instead, you can give, with resting bitch face, you can kind of have this project, project the scowl and deter people from coming towards you. And whatever I experienced, I'm sure, and I've heard from women that they experience on far greater levels. No matter what they're doing, no matter what time of the day it is, they're going to get hit on no matter what. They can be huffing and puffing their way to work, and some guy will still hit on them. Either it's like they're going to catcall them, or they're just going to start chatting them up, or like have their hands slide. Well, your facial expression doesn't play much of a factor in catcalls. I mean, catcalls generally are from a distance where you're not disambiguating facial expressions, right? I mean, I don't know. I've never done it, but I think so. That too. It's... <laughs> well, yeah. But smiling is good for you. Smiling is very good for you, and I think even the summer, it's cruel. Yeah, so I got to get out of here. Where are you going? Yeah. I don't know. Somewhere warmer. Figuratively speaking. Apparently, summer has been hot. I haven't realized because I've been in the office all of Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the not morning... somewhere warmer in the summer, somewhere warmer in the winter. The summer, well, you said it was cold. I don't know. Coldness is what I want to get away from. Well, it was freezing for the first six months of the... It was freezing for the, for the six months of winter, and now it's... 
semi hot and but I'm experiencing I'm barely experiencing the summer heat because in the morning and leave it during the day when it's the worst I'm inside. Yeah. It's good again. Yeah. Welcome to adult life. Adult life. Is dult a word? Dult. D O L T is a word. No, dult is definitely a word, but D U L T. But you would say it exactly the same way. Adult. Dult. <laughs> adult. Want to play Scrabble? <laughs> When I was talking to my sister about this, we actually started playing Words with Friends in the middle of a conversation on our phones. Not Words with Friends. What's the other one? The good one. Letterpress. What? Letterpress? Yeah. Well, it's iPhone only, so. Talk to the hand. <laughs> the thumb. So, I'm on AT&T. I, I realize this only applies to U.S. listeners, but I think it's reasonable. Well, I know for sure that most of our listeners are in the U.S. based on analytics. So... Dear most of you, <laughs> if you're on AT&T... The rest of you, we still... Yeah, but you're going to have to find a new solution to this problem I'm about to talk about. Well, for most people who aren't U.S., they don't... Like, the whole like phone contract with subsidies thing is a pretty U.S.-centric thing. So, T-Mobile, which T-Mobile was stopping. Like, they don't... Okay, well, that's fine. AT&T rolled out AT&T now, with air quotes. Well, I don't know. That's the real name. But if I was writing it, it would have around it. <laughs> um... And uh, it, when I switched over to it, I switched from 2 gigabytes data per month to 10 gigabytes. It was cheaper, and they invalidated my old contract. So now if I want to get a new phone, when the net, like now, I could get a new phone right now. I have the latest iPhone already, but I could get a new phone right now because I have no contract again. Because I switched this AT&T Now thing. The reason it's cheaper is because I have three people on my phone plan. And so the new thing that AT&T is doing is you have pooled data. And then, you have, oh. and then you have unlimited talk and text. So the more people you get on your plan, like assuming everyone doesn't use like five gigabytes a month by themselves, then the, you get to have one big pool of data and you can sort of... You don't have to always worry about each person hitting the max because you have a shared max. Yeah, Sprint unlimited data, fully unlimited. Like no five gigabytes, just, just fully unlimited. Okay, well my actual data usage is 200 megabytes per month. So 10 gigabytes is essentially unlimited. And really there's, there's no unlimited data. They are not allowed to charge you any extra money, but you get throttled once you use a lot. You're not using a lot. I mean, but I also don't know what I would use it for. Like, I don't use my phone. Like, I don't really watch Netflix on my phone. I have my computer for that. I don't want to go. I don't want to be anywhere where I have to use my phone and use that time to watch Netflix. I don't, I don't want to wait for the phone to download things at 4G speeds. I would rather find Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd rather save my battery because using cellular to download things takes way more energy than Wi-Fi. A lot, a lot more. Like, you want your phone to be dead in an hour? Watch Netflix for an hour. And I mean, like, I'm exaggerating, but only a little. I remember I, used to, I had to power cycle my back. No, no, no. Wait, no, no, no. Wow. I'm confusing that for my old... Yes. <laughs> it's like lithium. Whatever iPod. the new batteries don't need that. That for my old iPod. All right, last thing. I noticed an interesting split between the things that a phone has replaced, that list that I said earlier. Um... There's a group of things that have sort of always been the types of things that the curmudgeonly old people sort of say, like, uh, kids these days, they are so disconnected from everyone else. Stuff like CD players and, like, the Walkman, like, you know, things where you're disconnecting from the people around you on purpose using a thing, video games, etc. But then there's things that are sort of people see as, like, good, like... No old person would ever be like, oh, freaking kids and their books. They're always reading books, <laughs> right? Like, Although at one point in time, I think, news, I think the radio was referred to as this horrible thing that people... I mean, the real difference is whether you grew up with it or not. Like, yeah. if you also valued the thing, then you don't complain about it. Which I think is the reason why in circles of young people, they all pull out their phones 
even when they're all together and no one thinks anything of it. That's because they don't realize that's bad. They realize, but they all value the phone. Just like when you get in the car, like, and you listen to the radio, no one is like, so what are you doing? So here's why I think now my... So in, in favor of your argument, in favor of your statement here, allege that in the beginning, things get messy and then they eventually balance out. Yeah. And, by, and, and then the contrary of all this, I think that with phones... We've gone to territory we've never been before, where you've, people are creating things that are so enticing and so deliberately addictive mm-hmm. that we haven't been there. But like radio shows when they first came out, they weren't very addictive. They were new, they were fancy, but they weren't designed to be addictive. Here we've, we're now exploiting. And that is the reason why I, I actually, this kind of ties into my opinion of advertising. Whenever I look at something and I realize that the whole reason it exists is to manipulate people. I like intentionally distance myself from it, like advertising, like push notifications. It's like I don't want Facebook to manipulate me by pushing notifications onto my phone, letting me know that someone posted a status update. Because like, yeah, they're gonna be able. I mean, Facebook, if I let them send me push notifications, could easily send a message to my phone every single day with the name of a person who I know and like, with the title of a post that they just posted, and I would probably click it. And I don't know, like. I want to be in control of what I do with my time. I don't want Facebook to be in control of what I do with my time. It's a good thing we're solved. Well, yeah, we're not. Don't bring your phones. Dude, the bathroom is so boring. Think of all the Daniel Kahneman words you could read while you're in there. I think I've read a whole chapter of Thinking Fast and Slow cumulatively on the toilet. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> How did you not get dead leg from that? I'm not all in one shot. Oh, <laughs> that'd be impressive. To be fair, when I was younger, I used to read lots of books. I still kind of occasionally read books. But don't bring your phone. When you're reading a book, you're still thinking. My phone is my books. I don't read books outside of the phone. My phone is my preferred reading experience but for you books. Don't, but, but, so again, but you don't, you don't do the thing everybody else does. You don't swap out into Facebook. No, you because you it's boring. You don't start texting. <laughs> Thinking fast and slow is so much more interesting than Facebook. Think slow. Open Facebook any time of day, guaranteed. Only one at best of your top ten posts in your feed are like actually something that you'll think I'm glad I read that. Just why you quickly scrub, skip through it. And which is why I just go to straight to Daniel Kahneman because then I know the first thing I read will be good, and so will the second and third. <laughs> I mean that goes for all books. And if I get bored of a book, like I don't blame myself anymore. I don't say, oh, it's my short attention span. It's like I read books all the time. If I open a book and I think it's boring, then I feel comfortable saying it's boring. If I think it's boring, it is. It's not because I have a short attention span. Now, today's, this session's recommend, book recommendations, actually a book I have not r- yet read, but I ordered today, and I ordered it because I read a quick thing on brain pickings. It's called Smalls. Um, econ- econ- <laughs> economics is if people mattered. It's uh, Buddhist economics. Buddhist economics. Sounds interesting. Oh, I might have a book recommendation next week, but I will save it. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I also, I should have done it at the beginning of the show, and I planned to, but I forgot. I, even though we talked about it last week, I want to thank, again, Shenandoah and the Night for the great theme music, for letting us use it for season three, and uh, coming at you.